0: Well, uh, a lot of you know this fall we've been diving into uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And uh, if you're new here today, we've got uh, four more weeks after this that we're going to be looking at it. And uh, before we get into today's message, though, I want to talk just a little bit about next Sunday. Uh, Next Sunday we're going to look at what Jesus said about storing our treasures in heaven. And it also coincides with our annual uh, Fall Pledge Sunday... And so I just want you to know if you're new here, you're a guest or a newcomer, don't worry about that. Uh, we're not asking you to, to do this, uh, but if if Faith Westwood is your church, uh, then you probably received a letter from me this week, did you? Three or four of you? No, All of you hopefully received a letter from me about that. And then uh, there's also a, a card in there as well. So if you would bring that next Sunday, if you're going to be here, if not, of course you could mail it, but... Uh, if you're going to be here, put it in that envelope when you're, after you're done and, and uh, bring it with you next Sunday. Um, and then for some of you, as we talk about have, being a step-up giver, what would that look like? For some of you, maybe saying, you know, I'm going to give something every week or every month, and I'm going to work it into my budget, and that's going to be my commitment. And for some of you say, well, I'm already doing that, but for me, a step-up would be that, you know... I'm going to, to uh, give $10 more a week this next year, or I'm going to give $100 more a week, whatever that would be for your step up. And I want to promise you that God's going to use it for good. It's going to be put to use for great ministry, and to uh, by your giving, you're going to add to the treasures in heaven that's going to impact the lives of people here. So, okay, uh, on the, to this Sunday. Uh, today, we're going to look at what Jesus said about teaching us to pray. And it's also time for us to take a few minutes to check in on our friends Jarrell and Austin. These two roommates are having troubles. They're not getting along very well. And uh, they're, they're trying to also learn from the Bible, but it's, that's not going very well either. Today, they're going to... Uh, argue with each other, but even bring prayer into their argument. So let's see what this is all about.
1: Yo, Rumi. Yo, dude. Okay, okay, okay. I'm reading this Bible. Okay, anyway, check this out. We haven't been getting along, right? Right. And the last day, last couple days, man, we got this argument. I was like, Your dad, you, you know, your father is the devil, yeah. and you the son of the devil, and right? We tripping. Yeah, I remember. Right? And you, my yeah, boy, you're right? I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, you're right. I'm tripping. Okay. Right? And I was like, No, no, the whole world tripping. Yeah. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. Okay. okay, so I'm reading this Bible, man, and I'm learning about this thing called prayer. You okay. ever prayed before? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Why didn't you tell me? I. What? Man, anyways, man, when's the last time you prayed? When I was about to get pulled over by the cops. By the po Yeah. Did it work? No. What? No, in here, you must have prayed wrong. Because in here, it says that it works, man, that we got to pray for people, man. Did you pray for the police? No. See, that's what happened, man. All right, so let me see. You know how sometimes I sometimes I read this Bible, right, and I'll be seeing you in it? Okay. Okay, sometimes I see me in it, man. Sometimes I see us in it, man. Okay. All right, man. So I just thought maybe that we could pray. Okay. All right? And this already feels a little bit different. So just like bear with me, it's awkward, man. It's not, you know, we haven't done stuff like this before. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, hey, man, I said back off. Right? All right, listen. All right, so check this out. Um, Okay, so there's a scripture in here, man, that definitely reminds me of me and you, okay? It comes out of uh, Matthew 5 and 44. I hope I'm saying this right. Okay, and it says, but I tell you this, he's telling me, and it says, love your enemies. I should be loving my enemy. And it said, pray for those who torment you. This is good. This is deep. So, you've been tormenting me. And for those that persecute you. All right. All right. So, Father. All right. God. God. I know you hear me. And I know you see this man sitting next to me, man. You know us, right? Okay. So, I just want to pray that you please help this brother to stop tormenting me, man. Because I've been getting stressed out, you know. And every once in a while, I just want to slide my foot all up in this. You know, Father. I just. Woo! He'd be persecuting me sometimes, stealing my stuff, taking hey, my stuff. Yeah, dear, but I know you're Lord, Lord you know what? Yeah, I would like man, to pray man. for Jarrell, too, that, Lord. Okay, uh, it okay. just speaks that we're supposed to just forgive in the Bible. Yeah. And just help Jarrell forgive because he has so yeah. much vengeance Venge- in his what? heart and just so much just evil towards others. He holds grudges like you, <sighs> you tell us not to hold, Lord. And Listen. I just pray that you would just break that. In, Lord, in, I pray that you would break Austin, okay? Because... Um, I don't know what it is on him, but he needs to be broken like a wild yeah, horse. Yeah, Lord, I just pray you know this guy it says, is going It says some... it says in the Bible to be slow to anger, Lord, and I just I just pray that you would help Jerrell be slow to anger Ooh, because this Lord, guy I is gonna people I didn't pray. Okay, just be fast life. to help get Austin to pay rent. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, just get, oh. be fast, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to be slow to anger. Yeah, I'm working on it. But would you just move Austin quickly, you know, to get out of my face with some of the stuff that he be doing? You know, No, I, no, yeah, you, you, know, you, know, like you know, you know, God, I, you know, you said right here <sighs> that, um, you know, Lord, that the wicked, that the people that only care about themselves, yep. Yep. okay, yep. that people like Jarrell yep. who are just filled with malice and and anger and all these other words. I don't even have, know what malice is. I'm not. I don't even with know anger. what it means, but I know. It's talking about you. Oh, oh, yeah. All right, so yeah, yeah, talking Lord, about yeah, me. Lord, yeah Lord, yeah, I pray, yeah. I pray. Maybe you can, uh, pray. Pray, uh, I don't know. Pray, then, Austin. Okay, ahead, pray. I will pray. Man, I whatever, pray. man, I'm trying I'm gonna, to help things out yeah, and look at you. I'm going to pray you? that you will be more like Joel Osteen. Oh, yeah. And smile all the time at night. Oh, I'm smiling, all right. I'm smiling when you're leaving. I'm trying to help this guy. man.
0: Don't you just love these guys, huh? Aren't they something? You know, you can pray. You can pray whatever you feel. You can pray whatever's on your heart. And Jesus did. I mean, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he just poured out his soul, whatever he was feeling. But Jesus also gave us a template for prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And uh, like many of you, I learned the Lord's Prayer. I don't remember when I learned the Lord's Prayer. I was so small. And it's kind of like our kids in our Love and Learn uh. Our child, co- child care and preschool, the, we have 120 kids there every day. And these kids start learning the Lord's Prayer when they are two years old. They're never going to know a time when they didn't know the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and I have found that when I'm visiting uh, people who are uh, suffering from dementia, maybe early or even middle stages of dementia, and they, there's a port where they, they, there's a lot they don't remember, but I join with them and I pray the Lord's Prayer with them and all of a sudden their mouths start moving and they pray that prayer with me because somehow over the years of, of reciting it over and over it, it comes to a, it gains a privileged place in the brain. But I also know that it's easy for us to recite the Lord's Prayer mindlessly. I've done it. We all have. My goal today is that we will learn to pray it mindfully, with greater power and greater purpose. So I'm going to ask you, please open your Bible to Matthew uh, 6, verse 7. Uh, If you grab the Pew Bible, it's on page 970. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, you don't own a Bible, then the the thing that would make us happiest is if you just take that pew Bible home. You can have it, you can keep it. And uh, if you're looking for a place to start reading, I think Matthew's gospel would be a good, a good thing. Just start with chapter one, but feel free to skip over the genealogies right there, okay? And uh, anyway, so before Jesus teaches us his prayer, uh, in verse seven, he tells us how not to pray. You you're, you're following with me? It says, and when you pray, do not Keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now, their Gentile neighbors worship the whole Roman pantheon of gods, you know, Zeus and all the rest. And they believe that you had power over a god if you could pronounce his name, his or her name, exactly correct. And, uh, and they, so they would experiment in their prayers with all different kinds of pronunciations, hoping to get it right. And, and also, if you prayed to the wrong God, well, then that was no good either. And, and it was hard to know which God has jur- had jurisdiction over your prayer. So you had to pray a lot of prayers to a lot of gods uh, to try to, to get it to work. And, and Jesus says, that's no good. That's not the way to do it. He said, you know, you don't have to give God a, a whole detailed explanation of what you need and why you need it and make a big case because God already knows. You don't have to do it like the Gentiles. He says in verse 8, do not be like them. Why? Well, your father knows what you need before you ask him. He already knows. So don't get go into a big, long explanation. And then Jesus gives us his prayer. Now, in the New International Version, which is the Pew Bible, it's 53 words long. It takes less than 30 seconds to say it. And and you can pray it exactly like it's written, or you could use it as a template for prayer. And then in verse 9, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is is say the prayer out loud with me as we go through it, kind of phrase by phrase. So you'll need your Bible open to do that. And let's start with the first four words, shall we? Our Father in heaven. Some people always address God as Father when they pray. Have you noticed that? And other people seldom do. Now, if you had a father who was absent or abusive, then addressing God as Father might feel kind of painful for you Uh, and I would understand that. I would, you know, want to give a lot of freedom to people about that, but I think it's also possible that praying the Lord's Prayer and addressing God as Father might be healing. It might be a healing prayer for you. Now, if you read back in the Old Testament, there are a few times when God is referred to as Israel's Father, Uh, but when we come to Jesus, I mean, that's Almost all, always he calls God Father. And, uh, and when he teaches us to address God as our Father, it's like he's inviting us into his family. Yeah, come, come pray to our Father. So we pray our Father in heaven. And the word translated heaven can also mean sky. Just kind of the same in English. We, we use them a little bit interchangeably. The heavens, the skies. And uh, here it's plural, so it's heavens or skies. And Dale Bruner says that because it's plural, we can think that when we pray to our Father, it's not just our Father of our little section of the sky in the world, but He's the Father of all skies over everybody in the world. Now, that, that's a neat way to think of it, isn't it? And then we have the first of six petitions so if you would let's say the rest of verse 9 together hallowed be your name now in the bible your name represents your identity your true self who you really are and when you say something is hallowed that means it's holy it's sacred like how we say hallowed ground and so we we pray that God And God's name would be regarded as sacred. It's like we're asking God that 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 name would be so important. It would carry weight with us. It would be the substance of our lives. And then in verse 10, Jesus gives us two more petitions. Uh, The first is just three words. Let's say those together, shall we? Your kingdom come. Now, what does that mean? Your kingdom come. What's that, what's that about? What, 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 what is this his kingdom and what happens? So I'm, today I'm going to share with you four things that I think the kingdom, when Jesus talks about the kingdom coming, what that represents. So the first one is the kingdom comes to change your heart. When, 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 you, when you let Christ reign in your life, when you, you let Jesus be the king, then, then God's kingdom comes and reigns in you and you changes your heart and you love what God loves. And then the kingdom comes with just governing. And that's true in our, in our uh, government. It's true in our, our schools, in our organizations, in our churches. Um, when the evil systems of this world that exploit and oppress, when they are dismantled and replaced with respect for people of all ages, nations, and races... That's the kingdom of God coming. And then the kingdom comes when people hear the gospel. Because it's only when people hear the gospel, the good news, and, and, and they can receive salvation and begin to, to live in God's will. And then finally, the kingdom comes when Jesus returns. On that day, every, t- every uh knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord and on that day sin and evil will be judged and done away with and and heaven and earth God's going to merge them into one beautiful glorious creation hallelujah may that kingdom come so it's a big prayer isn't it your your kingdom come And, and the kingdom comes Whenever God's will is done, and that leads us to the next petition. Let's say that together. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, what's God's will? Another big question, right? What's God's will for us? Well, I think if we could just back up to the the Sermon on the Mount that we've looked at beginning in chapter 5 to this point. I mean, there's a lot there. Uh, We give up anger like it's murder. We let go of lust like it's adultery. We, get out of our, we go out of our way to reconcile relationships. We recognize marriage as a sacred covenant. We revere God's name and God's creation and refuse to use them in oaths. We give up revenge and replace it with generosity. We love our enemies, praying for them instead of hating them. And we will not show off our spiritual practices. I mean, that's all God's will. I mean, it's a big part of it anyway. But remember, as we've been saying here, Jesus always meets us where we are, right? He meets us at the bottom of the mountain when we, we have nothing to give because we're poor in spirit. But he meets us there, and he walks with us, and he takes us to the top of the mountain where we learn to live God's will. So, anyway, that's what we're praying for. Let's let's pray that our church would be all about doing God's will. Let's pray that our families would be all about doing God's will. Let's pray that governments would be all about doing God's will. So, the first three petitions are about God. That, That God's name be hallowed, that God's kingdom come, that God's will be done. And then, the next three petitions or about us let's go to verse 11 and say it together give us today our daily bread you know without without bread there'd be a lot of people in this world who would not i mean they'd be starving bread is a staple it's it's often called the the staff of of life and uh, without it a lot of people in this world would not have enough calories to survive and of course there are parts of the world where where uh, this verse gets retranslated give us today our daily rice because that's their staple and not just i don't think jesus is talking just about food although that's kind of primary But but Jesus is also telling us to pray for all of the basics in our lives. Friendship and shelter and employment and transportation and sleep. The the things that we need in this world to keep us going. And if you're not sure what you need, then just do your best and pray it anyway. God is smart enough to figure it out. And and because uh, the Lord's Prayer is plural, whenever we're praying for our daily bread, we're also praying for everybody else's daily bread give them what they need you know in my in my faith group uh we only have an hour so we have a short amount of time we don't take time to share prayer requests we just jump right into praying and everybody prays for what they need and so we we often have prayers where we're praying for wisdom and and guidance in our specific situation and strength and patience and you know i think it's all kind of wrapped up in this petition Give us today our daily bread. And the next petition, petition is in verse 12. Let's say it, shall we? And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. This, uh, that verse kind of has a financial ring to it, doesn't it? Debts and debtors. Uh, and if we've, if we've been hoarding money or spending money that God wants us to be giving, then... We might be literally in financial debt to God. But, you know, I think the prayer is is bigger than that because the ancient Jews viewed every sin as a debt to God. And that debt went on your ledger. And Jesus says, I want you to audaciously ask God to wipe your ledger clean. Isn't that wild? I want you to just ask God to wipe your ledger clean. You know, when we, when we Methodists uh, pray the Lord's Prayer, we usually use the word trespasses, right, instead of debts. So um, when I was a kid, whenever we prayed this prayer in church, uh, you know, uh, forgive us our trespasses, it made me think of signs that I would see out in the country where I lived. And, you know, and my favorites were the ones that were with tires. Uh, no trespassing. And so whenever we prayed the Lord's Prayer, I was glad that I had not trespassed over, uh, across some farmer's fence where I wasn't supposed to. But if I did, I knew I could be forgiven. So, uh, but where does the word trespass come from? Um, well, one of the early English, uh, English Bibles, um, nearly a century before the King James Version, was written by a guy named William Tyndale. He was a friend of Martin Luther uh, and and part of the Reformation movement that began 500 years ago this past week. Um, Anyway, uh, Tyndale's Bible was the first English Bible that was printed with the new technology the printing press. By the way, Tyndale was convicted of heresy and executed at the age of 42. And when Tyndale translated this verse back in 1525, he used the word trespasses. Now, later, the King James Version changed it to debts, but the Church of England's Book of Common Prayer kept using trespasses. And we're sort of uh, inherited that from the Book of Common Prayer. I also like uh, Dale Bruner's translation He says, and forgive us our failures. And forgive us our failures as we forgive those who failed us. You know, failure, that covers a lot of ground, doesn't it? And to be forgiven of all our failures? That sounds pretty wonderful. But I think this verse also makes us squirm because the forgiveness we receive correlates with the forgiveness we give and Jesus will uh, emphasize that point emphatically in verses 14 and 15 you cannot sincerely ask for that which you are not ready to give how can you ask God to forgive you and deny forgiveness to your neighbor how can you receive grace from God and then withhold grace from your sister or brother an unforgiving christian is an oxymoron i think part of what jesus is doing here he's giving us a kick in the pants forgive those who've wronged you and you know in my experience forgiveness isn't a light switch you just flip on and off forgiveness is a process it can take time To forgive basically means that we wish that person no harm. We wish them no harm. It doesn't mean we trust them if they are still untrustworthy. But forgiving means that with God's help, we let go of our bitterness. We make peace when possible. Now, there's one more petition here in the Lord's Prayer. It's in verse 13, so let's say it all together, shall we? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, in this life, we're never going to be free from temptation. There's always going to be some temptation uh, in our lives. And um, what we're asking for, because God, does, God never leaves us, leads us into temptation. And I think we can kind of get confused with the way it's worded here. Uh, but what we're asking for is for God to not... It's just for God to help us so that we don't walk into temptation because there's only so much temptation we can handle, right? At our house uh, on Tuesday night, we didn't have as many trick-or-treaters as we usually do. And that meant we had had lots of uh, leftover chocolates and caramels at our house. And after a couple of days of of having all that candy around the house, on Friday morning I, I asked Trish, You know, if she wants any of it, fine, but just hide it. Because I was going to be working at home all afternoon and having that stuff sitting on the counter all of that time was just way too long for me to expect me to be strong. And so I was asking her to help me so that I I do not stay in temptation. And I think that's true for all kinds of temptations. If you don't want to become another victim, then don't hang around. Temptation's door. Don't don't walk up to it, either deliberately or carelessly. And then we ask God to deliver us from the evil one. Now, in our tradition, we pray, deliver us from evil. That's also from Tyndale. Uh, But you can say it either way, evil or evil one. But we have to remember that evil is not some impersonal Star Wars kind of force. Evil is in the Bible, is always personal, whether it's the devil or people, and, the, and when we say deliver us from evil, that word deliver is a really strong word, it's like snatch, you know, like somebody is drowning, and, and they get snatched up and, and, and saved, and uh, we cry out to God to, to snatch us from the clutches of the evil one who wants to destroy us. Now, you might wonder, as, uh, as Laura was reading the Scripture for us, that it didn't have the ending that we always pray uh, for the Lord's Prayer, uh, the doxology, uh, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, wh- why isn't that in our Bible? And the answer is, well, it used to be. <laughs> and you go, whoa, what is that about? Uh, it was in Tyndale's translation in 1525, and it was in Bibles uh, for centuries before that. But when later uh, scholars compared all of the ancient manuscripts, they realized that it is highly unlikely that this ending was originally in Matthew's gospel. But what had happened is, through the years, it had, that ending had been sort of added in worship services as a way to kind of brings some finality and glory to God at the end, uh, rather than ending with the words, the evil one. And uh, so, uh, anyway, some scribes sooner or later, you know, thought, well, he'd learned it in church, and go, well, well they left this part out and wrote it in. And then some scribes who were copying that, ad- copied it after that. But, but uh, most of our ancient manuscripts don't have it. Now, there's nothing wrong with adding it. I I think it's fine either way. Our Catholic sisters and brothers don't, but most Protestants do. Um, Now lately, I've been, uh, maybe most of this year, I've been praying the Lord's Prayer at uh, bedtime. Kind of my first thing I do when I turn out the light. And um, when I pray it by myself, I've kind of decided that I'm not going to pray the doxology at the end. Just because, you know, I'll do that when I'm here with you, but in um, but by myself i'm just going to pray the sort of the section that's it's in matthew and um, i also find that it's more meaningful for me if i can expand on it as i pray it and maybe even paraphrase it a little bit Uh, and you know some people when they do that by themselves they may kind of turn the prayer uh, singular rather than plural but i just decided to go ahead and keep it plural because i kind of feel like i'm including my family in the prayer and I'm including all of you in my prayer and really everybody. So um, anyway, um, when, I, when I do that at bedtime, it's a little different every, every night. And, um, but it might go, I'm going to share with you a, a version of how that might go. And so I'm just going to ask you, if you would, just, just pray with me. Let's pray. Our Father, you are the god of you are the god in the heavens of all people may your name be regarded as holy and sacred may your kingdom come transforming our hearts transforming this broken world and we look forward to the return of jesus our savior may your will be done just as you have taught us, may we love you and do your will as the angels and saints in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and may food be available for those who don't have enough today. Forgive us our failures. Forgive us for the sins we confess and the sins We are too weak to even notice. May we receive, may we give grace and forgiveness as freely as we have received it. Show us the way out of temptation so that we do not linger on sin's doorstep and deliver us from evil. Snatch us from the clutches of the evil one. Thank you, Jesus, for this prayer. Amen.